0: think that it will give the Republican Party more ability to control who it sees fit to be the nominee of the party, not the nominee of the Democratic Party. And we're hoping it will set a good benchmark and blueprint for not just Warren County, but other counties as well.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Brandon Lewis, founder of the Tennessee Conservative, the volunteer state's largest conservative news alternative. Today, we are joined by Joe Stotts. Joe grew up in public housing in a single parent's household on welfare. Joe's mother, the late Miss Stotts, suffered with severe mental health issues for 20 years, yet eventually overcame them all at the end of her life before she passed five years ago. Joe has worked at Generations Help for 19 years. He has an AS and a BS in psychology, uh, plus a master's degree in social work where he is also professionally licensed. Joe ran for office for the first time in 2018 for the Warren County Commission. He won and served four years Uh, in one term, and later Joe ran for county executive in 2022, but lost the Republican primary by 23 votes. He is currently serving as president of the Warren County Republican Party since June of 2022. Joe, welcome to the program. Glad to have you.
0: Thank you, Brandon. I greatly appreciate you uh, reaching out to me, allowing me to be a guest on your program today, and greatly appreciate the work you're doing across the state.
1: Well, thank you, man. And I appreciate what you're doing. Uh, we're going to cover a lot of topics today, but I first wanted to start uh, with your stance and opinion uh, that Democrats should not vote in Republican primaries. Uh, and we know based upon survey data that, look, about 9, somewhere between 95 and 98% of GOP primary voters agree with that argument. I just recently spoke to a grassroots group, uh, two of them, as a matter of fact. And ask people to show their hands if they want the primaries closed and, and, and keep them up if they want them open. And like not a single hand went up it, and these are big events that I went to. And so uh, right now, uh, you chose as the party chair to do a caucus instead of a primary in your county party. Uh, and tell me why you did that and how other GOP chairmen, if they want to, can do the same.
0: Well, you know, uh, one of the things I learned um, last year was that Democrats vote in Republican primaries. (laughs) Um, Unfortunately, I learned that myself directly um, through uh, my loss, which, again, you know, I'm one of these people, as far as a candidate, um, was a candidate, you know, I lost my race. Uh, I don't believe I don't believe there's a you know an in between ground. However, we do know that during my race and like many other races, uh, Democrat voters are infiltrating and kind of picking their candidate, their Republican candidate. Uh, I, a lot of a lot of people have thrown out the phrase to me, uh, you know, the oldest trick in the book, being used to describe the tactic. I never heard that before. These are all things that were new to me uh, last year, and so I, I think overall, uh, Republican voters. Um, should be able to vote and choose their candidate and their candidate alone. It should not be the Democratic Party that's choosing uh, the Republican candidates through primaries. And that's what we're seeing a lot of. We're seeing a lot of uh, Democrats coming into Republican primaries and voting for the person that they see as least conservative or more Democratic in view. And so um, it throws off the party's ability to have control over who they truly want their nominee to be. So we learned a lot from that last year. And so that's one of the reasons that we decided to do a caucus for um, the election on March the 5th of 2024 next year. The county had never um, done a caucus here before. And so we're excited about that. We're excited about uh, taking steps to do something different. You know, a lot of times we, we complain about the same thing happening over and over again, but we're never taking steps to do anything different. Uh, and so we're, we're excited about it. We think that it will give the Republican Party, more ability to control who it sees fit to be the nominee of the party, not the nominee of the Democratic Party. And so uh, I feel very passionate and strong about it. And we're hoping it will set a good benchmark and blueprint for not just Warren County, but other counties as well.
1: Well, I'm glad you're doing it because I think it will push the issue. (laughs) If, If we start getting, especially some of these larger metro counties like you know, and I'm gonna work on my chairman to try to do this. I know that the deadline, I believe it, it is passed for for doing that, this. I think
0: I apologize, you asked me that and I didn't answer. It is actually tomorrow. Well, my bad. yeah, so it hasn't. The deadline is the twentieth of June, I think, to call to quote unquote, to send in your call to primary letter to your local election commission uh, and or opt out of that and do caucus, uh, which is what we did. And I will tell you, uh, just on kind of a, a funny note, uh, I got a few phone calls after I turned in that letter from people, and they were like, uh, uh, so you going to turn in your primary letter? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I, I did. I'm, I'm not doing a primary. They're like, uh, yeah, are you sure about this? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure about it. We voted, and we're standing by it. Uh, yeah, really, really odd. Uh, uh, at least uh, some of those phone calls weren't were from Repub- Republicans, Quote, unquote. So uh, I find it kind of strange, but, uh, yeah, we're rocking the boat a little bit with it. And uh, I'm enjoying every minute of it, to be honest with you.
1: Well, uh, I'm going to send this video out to other chair people uh, that I know personally, and I've met a lot of them running this publication. I'm going to send it to my uh, local chairperson um, to see if, if they would consider doing that and of course that letter uh, has probably already been sent by the vast majority of parties because most folks don't wait to the very last day to do things but I think if we can um, do this in Warren County and then start setting an example uh, if if we can't get the the more purplish uh parties that we have in some of these metro areas to do it like Knox, uh and uh hamilton which are you know we were kind of you know we got a a blue city center uh with a red you know surrounding county and uh we're tinged purple a little bit uh over here in some of these counties uh if we can get at least all the collar counties all of the small uh, counties that really do keep our city uh, or our state rather kind of conservative if it weren't for the representatives that are sent from rural districts uh we would We would, it would be even worse than what it is in Nashville right now. Switching gears a little bit, uh, you know, in your opinion, why do we have such a hard time getting GOP leadership to act on things that we know uh, based on polling and just general sentiment that that we know that uh, primary voters want something done about, whether it's illegal immigration? Uh, educational choice, fighting against the digital currency. Uh, you know, we're having to fight for our Second Amendment rights right now with our own governor. Um, things of that nature, like corporate welfare. I mean, like why, if we are quote unquote such a red state, and if you ask primary voters what they want, why is it never delivered, and why doesn't our our party at the top level call out? politicians who don't conform with the platform we have a party platform uh but we don't seem to like stick to it adhere to it even talk about it very much uh, i'm just curious because you're you've been uh in the party now uh for two years or well um, not two years but maybe a year and a half like, what have you seen what are your thoughts
0: I had a couple of different thoughts uh the one i've got to go with first uh, and I, i'm kind of maybe I'm repeating myself on this and no matter what interview that I'm involved in or if I get the opportunity to speak about it, but I think it goes back to the concept of us continuing to elect people who just want a job. And uh, I think it's, that's just ridiculous. And so we're electing candidates that are coming out. They're talking to us about values that they feel are important to us. And they're, in some instance important to them. But what's most important is them getting reelected. And so they get a little bit of, get contested a little bit on some votes. They just want to get reelected in these, again, open Republican primaries. And so um, they don't stick, they don't hold to the truth to the party when they get there. And again, I go back to that job thing. they just, they don't look at um, serving, whether it's the county or the state or, uh, you know, or first and foremost, the country, serving our country as elected official uh, by the people for the people. It's we the people, and that's what we should be adhering to. And that's just not happening with a lot of people that are getting elected. And so I think to me that's one of the biggest problems. Uh, we just don't we don't have people who view it as going into service with goals that they want to accomplish. They just run because they want to get elected. They want the glorification of the position or to, to be looked at in some kind of different stature in life and instead of it being about, Setting goals, getting elected, going and accomplishing the goals, serving your time, and, and going to the house, as my grandpa would say. And just and not spending decades in public office to where you become complacent and you could care less. And the only thing that's on your mind is getting reelected. And so uh, that's really what comes directly to my mind. And I don't know that I answered your entire question. If not, I've got more to go with that. But that's, that's really where I'm coming from
1: well i think you did and it is the i like to refer to those folks as class president types uh if if their district was drawn as a wig district or a bull moose district or the or a communist district like they'd be running they would be running they put on they put on whatever hat is necessary to, yep. to get the class president title yep. uh wherever geography uh they happen to have found themselves in yes, and sir. uh the issue is is we we i, I believe we have uh Our local parties do not hold our elected officials accountable. Instead, they pat them on the back regardless of their voting record and act as if nothing is going on. Uh, I think it is just it's like the principles and the platform we don't seem to care about. Like it's just about do they have an R beside their name? Are they do they have an R beside their name even if they're pulling for the other side? And then we're we're supposed to like you know break our arms, pat them on the back. Uh, And I think that that is a, a mistake. And I think it has led us to where we are, guys. Help support our work. Somebody else is not going to do it. But about 95% of our subscribers and listeners think that they will. Which is why and how we get into a position where we are outnumbered 80 to 1 in the volunteer state as it relates to conservative news outlets versus the corporately funded ones. Why don't we have more conservative news outlets, Brandon? I'm such a good patriot. I'm on social media all day. Well, what have you done in the last 30 or 60 days to actually help? For the most part, about all you can do to help us is to write a check and send it to the Tennessee Conservative at 1523 East 27th Street, Chattanooga, Tennessee, 37404. Those of you who do that know who you are, and I'm exceptionally and extremely thankful. But I got checks. I came in. there's are checks. People mail checks. I'm so excited. Uh, we need it. Our, our poor little bank account stays at the same level. All the time. It doesn't go up and it doesn't go down. (laughs) And I don't take any money out of it. So if I can do this for free, you can definitely pay a little bit and chip in. Your monthly support really helps. Or you can go to uh, TennesseeConservativeNews.com slash support. And if you give any amount, you'll get this bumper sticker that says, Stop feeding the rhinos, please. Stop feeding the rhinos. This is really the fault of the corporations and the special interests that feed the rhinos in our state. Because God knows it is not the individuals back in their district. Because we know that from the Follow the Money Report. And then we have a Don't California, My Tennessee bumper sticker. Now, in all honesty, most people that have moved here from California uh, could have moved anywhere, and many of them are motivated almost exclusively by the fact that we're on the outside looking in, maybe not so much on the inside looking out, a conservative state, and they tend to be more conservative and give more proportionally than native Tennesseans who are conservative, and they tend to take more action. That's what I've discovered. But we don't want to have the California politics come to Tennessee. And we will send you this updated uh, directory of all your state and local officials that are in the House and Senate. And we did lose one, Scotty Campbell. We're going to have to replace him. He was uh, getting a little frisky. Getting a little frisky uh, with an intern. Good grief. And uh, old Sexton helped to uh, cover that up and silence it. Uh, if you give $50 or more, $50 or more, or a $10 recurring donation or more, come on, guys, $10? In Joe Biden's economy, what are you going to get for $10? Nothing. Nothing this good. We will send you this Stop Feeding the Rhinos Tumbler. This is a brand new one. This is a brand new one. This is something that you could probably carry around if you wanted to in all circles, and only the conservatives will even know what a rhino is. Most people will come up and say, hey, did you know this is misspelled, or is this from your local zoo? What is this? They won't know, but the conservatives will. And we will also send you this proud Tennessee conservative koozie man. I put a uh, cold beer in one of these uh, about five weeks ago and set it out in the sun, and it is still as cold as a block of ice. If you believe that, please do give uh, to Tennessee Conservative News. We need your help. Ain't nobody else going to do it. It's up to you. We're going to switch gears here like hard. Like if you're in a car, you just hear this grinding noise. But I wanted to ask you this question simply because of your background. I want to talk a little bit, especially in the wake of the Covenant shooting, where they have completely refused to to do any work or or to take any efforts to find out what the mental state of this individual was. And in fact, are are working overtime to cover it up. Um, And it's turned into a Second Amendment discussion when it probably should be a mental health discussion. And this is something, admittedly, I don't know a lot about. And whenever I hear the word mental health, I get a little nervous and I will tell you why. Um, culturally we seem to have been in like at least in the last 20 years inventing disorders to kind of cover up bad behavior Like there's a lot of that that goes on the second thing I see is we see institutions like the Tennessee Health um, Department and our, our government education system using health and, and mental health as like a uh, catch-all uh, for indoctrination I mean you, you could go back and look at Penny Schwinn's Attempt to do a child wellness check for every single child in Tennessee from a social worker, whether they were in public schools or not, and that thing, you know, was 30 pages long. Billy had to know about it as soon as it got to the light of day. They 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 scuttled it and moved on to the next thing because that's where their mind is. And then finally, we've also embraced certain mental health disorders as mainstream and even healthy. So, for example, like. If you think you're a woman and you're a man, we're gonna act as if you are. We're gonna make people do that. As if it's hard enough to go through life treating yourself for the sex that you are. Try to go through life healthy. Trying to turn yourself into something you're not is like, I mean, you're really doing double damage there. Uh, and then we have issues like pedophilia, the whole, the whole, the whole slew of things that that are really like kind of get pushed around and through uh, medical institutions or uh, ideas about mental health. so where's the the what do we do here? Because things have changed so much and in the and mental health in particular for um, I guess the public at large is not what it used to be. We used to uh, I guess have facilities for folks, and we used to treat them differently. I'm not very familiar with it, but I would just like to hear your thoughts.
0: Yeah, a lot of different thoughts. So feel free to cut me off at any time because, you know, having worked in the field for 20 years, I will tell you that obviously, like you have already pointed out, the issues that we're seeing that's occurring in society with societal violence uh, is due to untreated mental health issues. Um, Now, that also includes drug abuse issues, which We find again in the field 99.9% of the time are related to unresolved trauma issues, which again falls under the mental health issues. So, you know, we have individuals that um, are committing horrendous acts of violence because of these issues that we just spoke about, but yet we're blaming it on guns. We're blaming it on uh, trying to uh, strip away the constitutional rights of law abiding American citizens. And it's just not right, it's unconstitutional. And I've never stood for it and never will. What I do stand for is getting help and treatment to the individuals that are involved in violence. That way they can get um, rehabilitation, Uh, that way they can get the therapy or medication that they need either or sometimes both. Or group home placement, um, hospital placement, uh, these things, and that, and that is something too that I've been slightly disgusted in. You know, we like you pointed out, we hear a lot about mental health or um, reformative care and all these kind of things, but we don't see a lot of it happen. We hear a lot about uh, the state. Uh, you know, this year included in the annual budget, we're getting so much more money for mental health. Well, again, and worked working in the field for 20 years. You, as a provider out right here, you just a lot of times you just don't see that. Uh, so I think access to care is a big thing. Uh, a lot of people don't have access to mental health care through insurance through their insurance, their specific insurance plan. Um, it's just not it's still something that is not important. to a lot of our elected officials. I mean that's just it's just the truth. I mean again, that's that's not even really my opinion at this point. I will say it's my opinion, but also based upon history, voting records on people that we've sent to the state it's not happening it's just not happening there's not there's not access to care that's been increased um and there's a lot of other things that play into that such as um provider payment reform uh you know when we have um state entities that take eight months to reimburse a provider for a service provided i mean heck i mean in all honesty uh you look at small business owners who are trying to provide mental health services a lot of them struggle and end up going out of business uh, because we can't get uh, payment provider reform. Uh, and we don't have elected officials that standing up for that when it comes to our managed care companies. They're not, they're not pushing the, the envelope uh, on that. So there's so many different things at play that we, we need to elect officials that can go to the state level and federal level that understand the concept behind the things we're talking about and that can go and actually make things happen. And it can push for these things because it's going to take it's going to take a push, but there is a huge need there, and in my opinion, a need that we've got to shine a light on, and we've got to provide access to care, increase access to care.
1: I have a, a few friends that have had loved ones that have gone through, uh, you know, severe mental trauma uh, as a result of like probably a combination of aging and then some other kind of health problem that triggered something either chemically or physically in their mind. And I've, I've watched them walk through that process. I've got a lot of friends that are older and uh, and they have to go find a, a mental health provider of of some fashion. And number one, there aren't many available. They just aren't, especially facilities. Like, I think we've got moccasin bend here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, it it's also it it seems to be a a field in which you you better hope that the individual you're talking to knows what they're talking about, And it's very difficult to get information to know if the provider you're seeing is is going to be more helpful than harmful. It, and the final thing I would say about mental health in general, it it, it falls into, the same category is healthcare overall, education, and a handful of other things that the government has never been good at because it is so complex. And the more complex something gets, the, the I mean, you won't talk about uh, you know dropping the ball and kicking it across the street. The more complex it gets, the, the worse government is at it. Uh, and then finally, to your point on payments, it, it's the reason that uh, I'm a self-employed cash pay uh, client with MediShare. And every time I announce that I'm cash pay and if the government's not involved and if big insurance isn't involved, it's usually 20 to 30 percent. Of what the negotiated insurance cost is, which is I don't need somebody to negotiate for something to be five times higher for me. That's a bad (laughs) negotiation, (laughs) but it is because of of the slow pay, the administrative headache. Well, we're going to send in 10 grand because they'll only pay five. You know, it's just this this game that we've played, and we've taken something that could be pretty efficient and effective for both the person receiving the care and the person providing the care, which is why I'm a, a member of a concierge practice. Um, it, it, it's just when all that government, government and, and insurance get involved in, in health care, like it gets very expensive, and typically the quality goes down.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, I think, and just to add a small caveat on the end here. Uh, I think originally the whole concept was to deinstitutionalize a lot of individuals, put more focus on getting um, um, reintegrated back into the community, and and that started obviously in the early '80s. And so what we've saw, what we've seen in the field over the years is uh, that has happened, and we've got more people reintegrated. But the money that was there, that was used to uh, kind of what would you say keep up, you know, in more of the state institutions never materialized down to the community level. So that's what we're seeing in rural counties. And I think in, in even some metropolitan counties is that you have a lot of need for resources now that people are more out on their own, so to speak, but those those resources never really uh, trickled down to the community and to individuals that that really need them.
1: So do you think, I mean, what do you think? I mean, obviously you've got independent care providers. Uh, we have We have state resources. I mean, to close out this conversation, I mean, if what kind of if you could identify three or four key points that you're like, OK, I think here, we got some money we've got. This is the infrastructure we have in the uh, mental health care uh, uh, across the state. And of course, rural is going to have not much. And then suburban or urban is going to have a lot more. Uh, but how, how do you I mean, what if you could say two or three things that you think would be helpful, what would they be?
0: Uh, Definitely again going back to prompt uh, payment reform with for providers from uh, managed care, um, team care, all the above. I mean, uh, providers need to be paid for services rendered. I mean, obviously, anybody that's listening to this conversation will know that whether you whatever type of business that you're running, uh, you in order to keep the doors open, you have to get paid, you have to be able to at least maintain. Uh, So, that would be one big thing. Also, too, we again we need uh, going back to this. We need to elect officials. This ob- this is obviously a very right now. I don't know. One could argue it's one of the most crucial times uh, for the field of mental health in general. For us to get funds where they need to go, we need to elect people that um, that have a mind for that and that have experience and have the ability to see exactly where resources need to go. Because we don't want to waste money. We don't want to throw it in directions that it doesn't need to go. And there are specific locations that it needs to go in, in my opinion, specifically to rural counties that are struggling uh, with access to care. With in some instances, have a health department that is their only access to mental health care. In some instances, instances, will even have a, a rural health department. And so uh, we need um, we need to focus on rural rural Tennessee. Um, and again, just looking, stepping back, and looking at the entire picture and understand the philosophy behind these issues that we're seeing that's occurring with violence in our communities and that it is due to untreated mental health issues, again, or substance abuse, which again, go hand in hand. Um, So those are some of my thoughts, again, looking at putting the right people there to make the right decisions and getting some of that, uh, getting some of those funds back down to the community level.
1: Well, I appreciate you coming on here to, uh, to speak about closing primaries moving forward a conservative agenda, uh, and a little bit of mental health. I know it's an odd combination of things, but because of your expertise, I wanted to ask you about it. You've been kind with your time. I'll give you the last word.
0: Well, again, I just want to say, thank you so much to, uh, for what you're doing, um, with your podcast, your show, just your tour, everything that you're doing, uh, truly, in my opinion, represents the direction, uh, of the party needs to go. And, and what, what do I mean by that? I mean, You know, we need to get back to looking on what true conservative values look like. And I think that um, status quo is never good. Um, Sticking with people that's been in office for decades, in all honesty, we've got to rethink uh, the folks we're electing to go to uh, county offices, state offices, or federal. And we've got to look at uh, being conservative, upholding the constitution, And really putting our minds and thoughts into really important issues, like some of the issues that we've discussed today, that are really going to have a facilitating effect on where we go as a society. And uh, I'm just thankful that you gave me the opportunity to be here. I'm very grateful and uh, looking forward to seeing you on August the 19th at our Reagan Day dinner. and, And definitely we'll talk to you before then.
1: Excellent. Well, Ray, go ahead and plug your Reagan Day dinner, uh, because I, I, okay. I love seeing everybody there. I know it's going to be a fun time, and I will, I will mind my manners. I, I've told people <laughs> if I go to GOP events, I will mind my manners. I will, I will. I always tell people. I said, I said, "Some said, you know, somebody told me I needed to be nice, and I said, well, 'Well, I'll be nice first, but then later I have to tell the truth about some of this legislative stuff.' Which, you know, some people think is nice, and some people think isn't. But they're just votes, right? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't run the bill, I didn't cast the vote, and I'm just telling you how what happened. <laughs> but talk about the Reagan Day dinner and uh, and and how people could, if they wanted to get tickets or if they wanted to come, what they could do.
0: Okay, so we're having our 2023 uh, Reagan Day. Excuse me. Yeah." 2023 Reagan Day uh, uh, dinner at the Warren County High School on August the 19th at 6 p.m. That is Pioneer Lane in McMinnville, Tennessee. That's Warren County. Uh, We're looking forward to having U.S. Congressman John Rose will be speaking. Obviously, um, Brandon Lewis will be there. We're thankful for him coming. Um, Mr. Gary Humble will be speaking. And we'll also have a country music singer and songwriter and conservative activist, Jeffrey Steele, that will be on him. So we have a very, and Brandon, you correct me if I'm wrong that's this, slightly diverse crowd that's gonna be available to speak. We're looking for, that's what we're really wanting. We're wanting some different opinions and views. And again, we're really wanting to get back to um, grassroots party activities and views. And, and we're just uh, hoping that everybody can attend on purchasing tickets. Uh, Those should be available in probably about a week. In the meantime, however, if you would like to go on the list to be contacted when they become available online and physically, uh, I'll just simply throw out my email address, which is jstots, J-S-T-O-T-T-S, 2022 at gmail.com. And I'll entertain any email and I'll give you a response back very quickly and we'll get you a ticket. And, again, we're just uh, very excited about that event and moving forward with the party in Warren County, Tennessee.
1: Awesome. Well, and it's, again, it's J S-T-O-T-T-S, at? uh,
0: Thank you for that. I need to clarify. Stotts 2022 at gmail.com.
1: Okay. JSTOTTS2022 at gmail.com. You always have to say it twice in, in audio and radio. Uh, so that's where how you can get it, and I I will close by saying this before I bleed us out. All it takes is somebody like you and a handful of other conservatives in this state that are party chairman to do the will of the constituents that have voted them in, and start closing these these just getting rid of the primaries and just starting having caucuses until these people up in uh, Nashville finally listened to the party chair, which Scott Golden went down there and argued for closing the primaries and finally listened to their constituents. Uh, And and maybe people like John Crawford will quit uh, gaveling down those types of motions uh, and not even counting the votes, which a lot of people were really disappointed in. Uh, And I think that 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 gentleman's day should be numbered for uh, really just basically telling all of Tennessee that he knows better than they do Uh, But all it takes is one brave person in a state. And then if you've got truth behind you and you do in this regard, then people start joining the bus and then their, their local, uh, their local uh, officers start saying, did you hear what Stotts did over, uh, over in McMinnville? Well, we need to do that here. And then after a while that thing starts snowballing. And I think we can put enough pressure through the local parties on these people to actually just do what just do what Republican primary voters want. I mean, that's all we're asking. I mean, it's not like this is not a big ask. I mean, it's what you're set up there to do. So again, thank you for having the you know what's to do that. I said it's not easy. And uh, I'm glad you've got the personality and the convictions to stand up when you're getting pushed back. Uh, we need more of that, so thank you very much.
0: Thank you sir. Appreciate you. And i be glad to speak uh, anytime in the future and uh, again I'll throw this off out there. One last little plug. If uh, you would, anyone listening, like to contact me and talk about uh, the caucus process and what we're planning on doing and how we're going to do that, if you're interested in that, I'll be more than glad to meet and talk with you. Uh, My personal cell phone number is 931-409-0444. And uh, we'll um, work together on that. Uh, Looking forward to hearing and working from
1: you. Well, I'm going to pass this around to as many party chairs as I can. I think I that may be a little bit too little, too late for me. If I if I'd known, I'd have got working on it earlier. But sometimes I just get on the tail end of things like this. But I think we can uh, we can start looking at that for the next one. And I'm going to go ahead and and call my party chair as soon as I get off this as soon as I get off this interview. Oh, I'm going to get this thing up and I'm going to call him and say, Hey, did you hear what? Have you sent your letter yet? And he probably will have already done it. But if I can put a bug in his ear for the next time around. I'm happy to do that. All right, guys. Uh, thank you, Mr. Stotts, for joining us. I've enjoyed this. And guys, if you want to know what's really going on in the state party, uh, if you want to know what's really going on, uh, do go to tennesseeconservativenews.com. You will not get content like this anywhere else and uh, search for Tennessee conservative, wherever you get your podcast, leave us a five-star review because it really does help until next time. I'm Brandon Lewis with the Tennessee conservative signing off.